Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy, Q. And finally, we make our appearance in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Are we good? Are we good? I haven't been in here a minute. Are we good? Are you sure? All right. My man, Demond Cotton, has this look on his face. You got this weird, strange look on your face, man. I, I, I got to hear something from you. Are we good? What, what's what's There's a look on your face right now that has me troubled. Uh, we're good. We are good. Now, Raider Nation, I ask you, did that sound confident? Did that sound confident? I see I see DeMond's got a fresh cut, but I don't think he's got fresh confidence. Do we not have something going on the way you like? <laughs> something ain't right. I'm looking at DeMond. This is the first time I've been in the studio, and it feels like a month. It's really only been about a week. And DeMond has this look on his face where the confidence level will be back out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center tomorrow for our Raiders practice as they get ready to, to wrap up their practice week and go into preseason game number two. Minnesota Vikings coming to town at Legion Stadium. It's going to be on and popping. There's a lot going on this weekend here in and around Las Vegas. So excited about that. But of course, most excited about getting back to Allegiant Stadium and seeing an actual football game being played. And what are we in, in for? Not too sure. You know, this new regime has uh, put Josh Jacobs out there in the Hall of Fame game. Will he play again this week? Maybe. Will you see Brandon Bolden out there? Maybe. You know, I've been asked multiple times from different people that have uh, called me and asked me to, to, to chime in on the Raiders. Do you think you'll see Derek Carr, Devontae Adams? My gut feeling says no, but we don't know. We don't know. So, uh, you know, every every day we get a little bit closer to seeing the action on Sunday. That is a good thing. And so, of course, we're here to talk about it full throttle for the next three hours up until five o'clock. And, uh, man, this is what we're going to do today. Got some good guests coming up on the show at two thirty. Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. Uh, he breaks down film for The Athletic really well. And so just give us an idea of what he saw on Thursday, when you look at the film, I know what I saw when I'm sitting in the press box. I know what most people saw while they're looking at TV, but from Ted's point of view, he's looking at film. He's looking for certain nuances. He's looking for certain tendencies. He's looking to see, okay, hey, that was a sack given up by Brandon Parker, but was that really Brandon Parker's fault, right? He's looking at what Malcolm Kuntz is doing when he's knocking the ball down. He's looking at Nate Hobbs and, and what he's doing as far as his uh, you know technique goes. And just he's looking at things that we don't necessarily look at that you probably have to look at if you go back and watch the game two, three, four times. And I actually have people that tell me all the time, oh, yeah, Q, I watched the game four times. Dog. I'm glad you do. I just I don't have four I don't have four games in me, right? I just don't have four games in me. I just I got to keep it moving, so I just I don't have it. But I respect the ones that go back and look at it a bunch of times. And for Ted, as a guy who breaks down film, that's what he does. So we'll talk to Ted Nguyen at two thirty about what he saw from the Hall of Fame game, what his expectations are from some of the young guys like a Dylan Parham. I really want him to break down the offensive line because again they gave up five sacks. Brandon Parker, we know, was the guy who gave up the majority of them from the left side, but. As Josh McDaniel said, it wasn't all necessarily on him. A lot of it was missed assignments from other guys as well. So kind of want to uh, get that that deep dive into the offensive line, and in particular, rookie Dylan Parham, the third-round pick out of Memphis. So Ted Nguyen joins us at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, we got a treat for you. And sometimes we just stumble into cool little conversations and cool interviews like this. We have Danny Black 
from Baltimore Sports Collectibles. He's going to join the show at 3 o'clock to talk about the last and final John Madden flight ticket. He's actually got it. And if you remember, John Madden stopped flying in, what, 1979? Something like that. November 25th, 1979, I believe, was the exact date. And he was on a flight from Tampa to Houston to San Francisco. And he made it all the way to Houston and said, hey, man, if this this flight, if this thing touches ground, these wheels hit the ground, I'll never get on on an airplane again. He got off that flight and did not even make his connecting flight. Well, Danny's got the ticket. You know how now we get the our boarding pass, we get that thing sent to our our phones, we get the text message or some are old school like me and print it out and then hand it to the guy when you go to get on. Beep. Cuz the reason I do that still, I do print mine out. I'm one of the last of the Mohicans that do it, and I know that they get annoyed when I do it, but there's nothing worse than standing behind the guy that can't get his phone to read. There's nothing worse. Every time I'm behind that dude, and usually it's either a single dude that is kind of, he, he pulled it up at the last second on his phone. You know, one of those guys like they're all, hey, you know, boarding pass. Oh, hold on. I got to pull it up. Like he didn't know that he was supposed to do that, right? It's usually either that guy or it's like a family of eight, right? It's like a super large family and they're trying to figure things out. They, they're putting the, they're putting the, uh, the phone on the little scanner and everything. And they're trying to do it and they're trying to do it and they're trying to do it and, Oh, is your, is, your, is your brightness all the way up? Is, I mean, I'm hearing everything, right? And I'm like, damn it, just print the damn thing out, right? So that's why I still print mine out because I don't want to be that guy where people are standing behind me like, I wish this dude would just hurry up. Turn your brightness thing on. Just you knew what you were supposed to do. Just do it because that's what I'm thinking. So if you're ever in front of me and all of a sudden you have that problem, just know that I'm thinking bad about you. I'm thinking really, really bad about you. I'm thinking you need to step your game up. So going back to John Madden, he has the last little flight ticket for Coach Madden, and he also has it in auction form. And the cool thing about this, one I want to talk to him about, just how he obtained it, how he got it, you know, the story behind it, you know, all that good stuff. When you're talking about Coach Madden, you can never go wrong. But I saw what the opening bid is, and I don't know, I don't know, Demond, if you've looked it up yet. The opening bid for this, you ready? I know you're not sitting down, but are you ready for this? $10,000. Is the opening bid. Not what it's going for. The opening bid. Now, story of my life, back in the day, I used to be an eBay hustler. Right? I used to be the eBay king. When I used to buy a bunch of throwback jerseys when that was popular, back in hip-hop time, you get the throwback jerseys, they're real expensive. I'd get them off eBay, and I really learned how to hustle them, where I didn't have to spend a whole lot of money, but I knew how to get it right before the auction closed. I can tell you right now, there was no auction I ever bid on that was $10,000 opening bid. There might have been an opening bid of $10, but there was no opening bid of $10,000. So we'll talk to Danny Black coming up at 3 o'clock from Baltimore Sports Collectibles. All things about Coach Madden and this final flight ticket that he has. Tampa to Houston to San Francisco. Coach Madden never got on that connecting flight. He was the one guy, you know, everyone's like, hey, hurry up, get out of my way. I got to get to my connecting flight. Coach Madden's like, I'm good. <laughs> Y'all going by. I'm good. I'm not worried about catching that flight. Ain't going to happen. So we'll talk to Danny coming up at 3 o'clock. At 4.30, Arif Hassan from The Athletic. He'll join the show to talk all things Minnesota Vikings. You know, we do this all season long. We like to give a midweek kind of review or preview of the team that's coming to town or if the Raiders are on the road, what team that they're about to face. And I know we're not going to get into nuts and bolts and this kind of game plan, this, that, and the other. Look, this is Minnesota's first game. 
This isn't their second game. So we'll talk about how training camp's been going, what he's been seeing, talk about some of the rookies. Of course, I got a shout-out to uh, James Lynch from Baylor. I got to shout him out, see how he's doing. You know, we'll check in on, on the Minnesota Vikings. And then what is the game plan? Like, as far as, you know, what's the approach? Does he think that uh, Coach O'Connell's going to play some starters like Coach McDaniels did? Is he going to just rest them all? Is it going to be a bunch of backups? You know, just kind of what the game plan and, again, how everything's been going so far in training camp for the Minnesota Vikings. So those are the three guests that we have lined up on the show today. Ted Nguyen at 2.30, Danny Black at 3 o'clock, and Arif Hassan talking all things Minnesota Vikings coming up at 4.30. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And before we really get into the opening drive, just got the email from the Raiders saying that the Raiders have signed wide receiver Chris Lacey. Uh, they just said that he spent the last two seasons with the Lions, 2018 and 2019, appearing eight career games with two starts, totaling three catches for 60 yards, originally signed as an undrafted free agent with the Patriots. Back in 2018, he's from DeSoto, Texas, played four seasons at Oklahoma State. That's the school of uh, T. Billy. That's where T. Billy went. He totaled 63 catches for 920 yards and five TDs. He was a three-time first-team academic All-Big 12 honoree. Uh, and then the Raiders released wide receiver Jordan Vesey as, uh, in a, in a, in a uh, corresponding move. And if you remember, Jordan Vesey was the guy from the USFL that they had just signed. And he actually had a pretty big body. He was a guy that... Had some pretty big size. It had pointed him out a couple times at training camp. So uh, Jordan VC is out, and uh, wide receiver Chris Lacey is in. So swap out one wide receiver that most likely wasn't going to make the team for another wide receiver that most likely won't make the team. So that's the latest when it comes to the uh, roster updates. Yeah, but it's uh, switching out a big body for a big body. He's listed at 6'3", 205. Right. So just another big guy that's going to get a shot in camp. No doubt. No doubt about it. Again, just a, a, another guy that, like you said, is going to get a, a shot in camp, probably get some burn this week in the in the games, in the preseason game, but uh, not a guy that I expect to have any kind of uh, lasting power in training camp, even though he did spend time with the New England Patriots. I'll say this on a total side note, Damon. I know I haven't been in the studio for a while in like a week or a half or whatever like that. It's been quite a while. Is it like humid in here to me to you? Does it feel weird in here? Not at all. Are you serious? It feels like. It feels almost sticky in here. Sticky? Yeah, like you know how, you know when you can, man, man, I don't know. Maybe I'm tripping. You know how you can like smell rain and you can feel rain in a certain room? It feels like rain is in this room, even though we're indoors. Maybe it's like because it's been so It's like wet it feels out. like the windows are fogging up. You know when you know when it's like raining outside and your windows start fogging up? It feels like that's what's going on in here. Maybe people are bringing it from outside inside. Could that be it? I have no idea. I, I, don't, I don't have this feeling that you have right now. <laughs> I'm telling you, you man. You said sticky, and I'm starting to touch, like, all the surfaces well, around me. Yeah, you know when, when, when the air feels a certain way and it gets a little moisture in there, you don't get that sticky feel? I know what you're talking about with the humidity, yeah. but it's not in this room right now. It sure feels like it. It's weird, man. And like I said, I know I ain't been in the studio for a minute, but, man, it just it's weird. It's a little cold in here. Now, see, that, that is not. See, I don't know what's really going on. See, you're cold. I'm not. I think it's humid. This is weird. I do know the Little League World Series is going on right now. I got plenty to say about that coming up later in the show. But let's go ahead and, and jump into the opening drive. Now that I've actually told you about the roster update, I did have a question for you. I want to throw these nuggets out here to you. 816, 823, 830. Those are three dates that you need to remember. 816, if you look on the calendar, that's coming up next week. 816 at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. The rosters must be cut down from 90 
to 85. So that means the first wave of cuts is on the way. That means this preseason game coming up on Sunday could be people's last game that they play with the silver and black. At least five guys, right? At least five guys will be released by 816 at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 823, rosters must go down from 85 to 80, 80 players. So another five guys are cut. 830, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, rosters must go from 80 to 53 players. That's obviously the massive large cut when you start to see all kind of guys across the league out and no, you know, and, and their dream is ended at least for now, right? They could always get picked up by another team, but those are the three dates that you need to remember. 816, 823 and 830. So I throw it out there to you as part of the opening drive, part of the topic that I want to talk about today. With that being said, with you knowing that at least five guys are going to get released following this game on Sunday, who do you think needs this week's preseason game the most? Who do you think needs to do the most they can to hold on to their roster spot, at least for another week? Because we know it's not only just that. It's not only just going out and performing well and proving that you deserve a spot. It's also making sure that you work your tail off so much that other guys that get released from teams don't look more attractive than you, right? There might be one guy that gets cut and, any team around the league say, oh, wait, hey, you know what? We've had our eye on that guy for a while. He just got released. Okay, let's go pick him up. And then they release someone else. So not only are you, you know, battling the guys on your on your squad that, that you're currently team, teammates with, you're also fighting the guys that are going to be released across the league because then they're going to be out there free agents and available. So all, And we see that all the time. We see guys get cut from one team and get picked up real quick, fast, in a hurry by another by another team. So uh, that's that's the question that I want to throw out there to you. Who do you think needs this week's preseason game the most to hold on to their roster spot? Of course, we'd love to hear from you on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Shout out to Sam and Ash. Heard from them at the end of uh, JT The Brick Show. So uh, definitely appreciate them being a sponsor of our text line. A great way to communicate and get your thoughts in onto the show each and every day. We always get a ton of feedback on the Sam and Ash text line. And we definitely appreciate them for that. And also... The Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Hit us up. Let us know who you think needs this week's preseason game the most to hold on to their roster spot. And, you know, when you look at the first wave of real releases, you start looking at the guys that, you know, like like we just started looking at this roster spot that was just that was just made. You know, you look at guys like that and you say, okay, though, he was probably on the way out. Like Jordan Vesey or Jordan Vesey, however you say his name, he – He's the guy that I say, okay, he's probably on the way out. Guys that you haven't talked about, you thought are just camp bodies. That's probably the guys that are going to be released in this first wave. But then you never know. You never know. There could always be a guy that surprises you because you heard of his name, but then all of a sudden his game just hasn't translated in training camp. And the team says, yeah, that was cool. We took a flyer on him, but no thanks. You know, I, I very well could look at the wide receiver room and say maybe one guy will be on the way out after this game. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but... You know, you have a lot of guys. You have Tyron Johnson there. You have, uh, you know, Demarcus Demarcus Robinson. You have uh, Keelan Cole. You have Mac Hollins. And, you know, you have you have other guys. You have plenty of guys. I think all those guys are are safe, at least for this round. But you never know. You know, you look at the running back room. It's pretty deep. Me personally, and I heard uh, the morning tailgate talking about the the uh, running back room earlier today. I think a guy like Amir Abdullah has to have a big game. And I know, before you tell me, Q, he scored a touchdown. I, I know. I know. 
But I'll tell you, I think that he needs to show and prove his worth. I think the fact that he's able to return kicks is a plus for him. I think that helps him stick around. Because, again, like what coach and GM have said multiple times, if you're not exceptional in one thing, you better be good and versatile at a lot of different things. Right? You better make it work. So I think that Amir Abdullah having that opportunity to be able to return kicks, I think that that helps him. I know everyone, when they saw the depth chart, I mean, I think the number one comment that I received after I tweeted out the depth chart for this upcoming week, which, by the way, was the same as last week's. So, you know, everyone's like, wait a minute, it looks the same as last week's. It was. They don't have to change it. And it's just the depth chart that they put out each and every week. It doesn't necessarily have to change. And remember, it's unofficial anyway. You know, the depth chart has guys that are on the pup list right now with the first run, you know, the first string. So it doesn't necessarily have to be switched up each and every week. It doesn't necessarily have to be 100% accurate. It's just something for us to look at and something for us to talk about. But, you know, you, you see Hunter Renfro lined up as a, as a punt returner, and I know nobody wants to see him back there. Everyone knows how valuable he is. I do believe that there's plenty of punt returns going to be in, in Hunter Renfro's game. I don't know if he's going to be used all the time. I think that that's the one caveat. Like, he's probably not going to be used all the time. I think he's going to be used situationally, you know, especially when they have a big opportunity or they need to make sure that they secure the secure the ball first or they have an opportunity. Maybe it's a, a short field and they have an opportunity and think that Hunter can could have a nice big-time return. I just don't think that they're going to put him out there all the time because he's too valuable to the offense. But that's just me. You never know. There's been superstars, and, I say, and I'm not saying that Hunter Renfro is a superstar, but there's been superstars that have done punt return all the time in addition to their duties. Right. So, so, I mean, you, you, you can never really tell exactly what the end result's going to be, but if some of these guys that may be fringe roster guys, if they can thrive on special teams, that's going to help them keep their spot on the team as opposed to a guy who, well, he's okay at this and he's only okay at that. Right. You better be good at something, <laughs> you know, as versatile as you could be, but be good at something. So I think this first, this first wave of cuts, will probably see the, the guys that are, are expected. You know, when you see their names, you'll say, okay, I don't think you'll see any surprises. Do you think, do you think there's any surprises in line this first week? Uh, no surprises, but I do think that you mentioned the receiver room. Mm-hmm. I think the cornerback room, because I think there are like eight, nine cornerbacks that are already listed. And I think that that's a position where the team, they not that they know what they have, but, yeah, you got injuries on the D-line. Like, so if you're a defensive tackle and you're maybe fringe, hey, you're probably still going to be safe towards the end of camp right. because they still need bodies. Offensive line, hey, Brandon Parker, you're going to get a couple of extra reps to prove yourself. Is he going to be out there? I'm, I'm saying, but right. with him injured. Right, right, like, yeah, 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 like yeah, Bam yeah. Olesini, I got you, yeah. Bam Olesini, hey, you're, gonna right. get, you're probably going to get some more reps this game. Right. So that's good for you. Right. But I think corner, hey, man, like if you don't show out this game, might be like Sam Webb, an undrafted rookie. You might get the knock on the door. What about Amik Robertson? What do you think about his his – what he has to do. He has to play well, but after Coach Simmons, when he talked about him yesterday, he didn't talk about him as this a player who's on the on the chopping block. He is a player that maybe if he can impress enough in camp, they can say, we like what we see out of him in the slot. We feel confident in Nate maybe being a little bit more outside more than he is inside. I think Amik Robertson to me is a one big question mark, right? For me, just because he's been around now for a couple seasons Hasn't really done anything. Every once in a while, he'll flash. I mean, when I can remember the specific game where he had a really good play, that kind of reminds me and lets me know that he hasn't had enough good plays, right? I I always go back to the Thanksgiving game against Dallas. That was in November of last year, right? That was the one game that he made a couple good plays down the stretch in overtime to stop the Cowboys from actually winning that game. 
you know, and and I just feel like his play has been so inconsistent. And the one thing that I did take away from Justin Simmons talking to us yesterday was the fact that we're not worried about what they did in the past. We're worried about, you know, everything's a clean slate. I think that's good for Amik or any other guy that, you know, was coached up by Paul Gunther and then coached up by Gus Bradley and now being coached up by uh, Patrick Graham. I think that's a good thing just so they're not judged off of what they've done in the past. But I think Amik Robertson, not saying that he's going to get released this week. I'm not saying that at all. I just think that he's a guy. You want to talk about a guy who needs to have a big training camp and big and, and, and potentially a big preseason game or two? I think Amik Robertson. That's probably the one guy I'd point the finger at and say, this preseason and this training camp is really important for you. That's the guy. I think that's the guy that I'd probably focus in on the most. I uh, got a text on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r You can always hit us up at 702-365-9200. Chime in on the conversation. Be a part of it. Uh, this text says, I don't know, Q, but I hope the Palomalo kid makes it. A lot of upside, plus he's rocking his uncle's number 40, great football bloodline. And you know what's funny about him? Me and Vinny, we often stand out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We're, we're standing next to each other and kind of comparing and contrasting notes. And when I say notes, I like to take visual notes, and I don't really jot a lot of stuff down. Sometimes I'll pull out my phone and I'll, I'll put a note down in my phone or something. But, you know, we'll we'll talk about a play that we just saw, or we'll look at a player and say, hey, this guy, you know, let's let's watch the next four or five reps on here, see what you see, and then we'll kind of compare and contrast. And uh, I really enjoy having that kind of conversation with Vinny because he'll – share his idea with me and I'll share my idea with them and we'll see, you know, if we're similar, if we're on the same page or if I see something and say, yeah, that wasn't really good. He could say, yeah, but I saw this was the reason why I don't think it was that good. Okay. Or vice versa. You know, sometimes that's how it goes. And I think that that's, I think that's healthy. He's pointed out Palomalu multiple times. I'll tell you right now, when you see him out there on the field, especially when you're up close, you say, man, that 40, he's got it. He, he's, he's, he's got something. There's something there. Got to be something there. Not to mention, you know, he's from USC. And, of course, you know, Vinny's an L.A. guy. So, <laughs> Vinny will always cut for L.A., man. If you, if you played ball anywhere or around L.A., Vinny would be like, I think, I think you got a little something, something. I think you'd be all right. Vinny's like that with L.A. like I am with the Bay. If you're from the Bay, you all right by me, right? <laughs> you already know. You got my love. Vinny's the same way when it comes to L.A., and I'm all right with that. But, no, he, he looks the part. He's got the size. You can see he's got the, enough speed to get it done. And every once in a while, DeMond, he'll make a play, and Vinny will just look at me and say, hmm. And I'll say, yeah, I saw it, right? Because he's one of those guys, when he's out there on the field during a rep, you can't help but to watch. There's certain guys. I've been in the habit of watching Nate every time he's out there. Every time he takes a snap out there, my eyes are on Nate Hobbs to see what he's doing, who he's going up against, and what he's doing. But when you see 40 out there, I do the same. And I'm not saying he's, he's starter material. I don't think he is. But I do think he's a guy that he could go out there and he could possibly have a big game this week against Minnesota. He could be a guy that could all of a sudden turn a few heads that maybe are on the fence like, yeah, he's got the size. He looks like he could play the part. He's just not consistent enough. He goes out there and has a decent game. He could be a guy that we're talking about on Monday, talking about on Tuesday. Like, Man, did you see what that dude was doing? You know, the secondary – has been something I've been concerned about since the season ended last year. All offseason, I kept saying, I think that this team needs to go out and get a veteran corner. Somebody's been there, done that. Someone who knows what it looks like. You know, I mentioned multiple different guys from J.C. Jackson to James Bradbury to Stephon Gilmore. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, right? Listed all these guys off, and the Raiders didn't make a move. They went and got guys like, uh, you know, Anthony Averett, 
They went and made a trade for Rocky Sin. You know, they went and, and, and brought in other guys. And they're just going to ride with those for right now. And that's fine. I've been concerned about the secondary. But from being out there at practice the last couple of weeks and watching and seeing what they're doing, I'm really not as concerned as I was. I still think it would be nice to have a veteran presence, a guy that you know what you're going to see from him and expect from him, especially with Trayvon Mullen being out and you don't know when he's going to come back. But, man, I'll tell you, and Vinny, to his credit, has been like this since day one. He's tweeted out, and you can go back and look at his Twitter, at Vinny Bossignor, I'm bullish on this secondary. I think they're going to be all right. He's tweeted that out multiple times. He said it on the air multiple times, and every time he says it, I'm like, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but, I don't know, Vinny. I don't know. But the more and more I'm out there and the more and more I see them, especially with Nate Hobbs stepping up and looking like he's going to be a real deal dude, seeing a guy like DP, Darius Phillips, slide into the slot when you see Nate outside, I'm feeling like the secondary is a little bit better than I expected it to be. Is it where it needs to be yet? No. Nah. But I did enjoy talking to Jason Simmons yesterday, and that's, that's exactly why, because I think the secondary is something that needs to have – that attention. So you got a guy like Jerron Harmon. You got that veteran in the back end. I don't know how the 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 snaps shake out. I don't know what the role is for him. I don't know what the role is for Jonathan Abram. But when you see him out there, they look the part. They really do. We'll start to see that continue to come together this Sunday against Minnesota. So Raider Nation, hit us up. 69187, keyword R&R. That's the Salmon Ash text line. Who do you think needs this week's preseason game the most to hold on to their roster spot? Let us know about it. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Looking up at the TV screen here in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, I'm looking at Kentucky and Ohio. No, not Kentucky versus Ohio State, not college football. I'm talking Little League World Series right now. Kentucky and Ohio are tied up at zero, bottom of the second. I love Little League World Series, Damon. I know, I know you're a big fan. I got my beef with the Little League World Series, though. I'll talk about it later in the show. I'm very angry at a at a local team that was participation p- p- participating in the Little League World Series. Did they lose? Is that why you're so upset? I'm not. I wouldn't be upset if they won. <laughs> Who gets upset when someone wins? I'm sorry that a group of 12-year-olds let you down. It's not the group of 12-year-olds. I'm glad you said that. It was the coaches, not the group of 12. I will never get angry at a 12-year-old unless they're my own. 2.32 is the time. Join us now on the phone lines is our guy, Ted Nguyen from The Athletic, uh, here to break down some film and talk about what he saw on Thursday in the Hall of Fame game. And, Ted, thanks so much for your time. And are you a, are you a Little League World Series guy? No, I actually don't watch baseball. Baseball is just not my sport. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. The Little League World Series is just different, right? It's just it's just kids out there having fun. It's just it's all bad when the coaches mess up so I'm going to complain about that a little later on the show but Ted I wanted to know what you saw on Thursday in the Hall of Fame game I know it's the first preseason game and most people don't even consider it the first one it's like week zero but the Raiders in my opinion look pretty decent when you look at that Raiders offensive line they gave up five sacks most of them on the left side where Brandon Parker was manning that's not his normal position head coach Josh McDaniel said you know a lot of that wasn't even necessarily all on him, but what did you see from the offensive line just kind of going back and looking at the film? Yeah, you know, when I when I watch Brandon Parker on the left side, that's not his position, but he should be a swing tackle, so you expect a little bit better play from him, but he was going against the number one pick in the draft, who, you know, obviously has um, enormous potential with the size and speed, so it, it wasn't exactly an easy matchup. Um, you know, I, I thought he let 
Walker get control of his post foot, which is inside foot, a little too much, which allowed him to get some inside moves. And one of the sacks was just a stunt where they handled it uh, incorrectly. Um, so you, you want some better communication, but that's what the preseason is for. Uh, but as far as Alex uh, Leatherwood starting to right tackle, they gave him a lot of help. They usually put a tight end on his side, and the tight end would you know block the edge defender or at least make the edge defender go inside, and that would make Leatherwood's uh, job a lot easier. And on, on the times where he didn't have help, um, you know, technically he still won the rep because he made the block, but it just wasn't very pretty, and you would expect a lot cleaner rep, especially when he's going against guys that you know are second, third string type of type of players. So you want to see him just play a little bit cleaner. Um, but you know, it's, it's still early in the preseason. There's still some time to improve. So I'm not totally uh, down on Alex Leatherwood. Uh, just yet, but you know, as far as the interior, I thought the interior was very physical in the run game, moving guys. Lester Cotton looked like, uh, you know, a, a force out there. So I'm really curious to see how these uh, guys will look against uh, a better team this Sunday. What about rookie Dylan Parham? He played all three interior positions, and I can't imagine that that's easy for a rookie playing in his very first NFL game, preseason or not, playing in his first preseason game and having to navigate through all three positions. What did you think of the uh, the job that, that Dylan Parham did? Yeah, it, it wasn't perfect, um, but there definitely were some flashes of, you know, some wow moments there. Uh, I thought he looked good on, on the screens, coming out on the perimeter and releasing uh, he had some physical blocks in the run game. Uh, he had a couple bad reps in, in pass protection, but you know, like you said, this guy's playing three different positions. And even in college, he didn't have uh, he didn't have a ton of uh, of experience playing uh, offensive line. So uh, it's just impressive that he's able to pick up these positions really quickly. And uh, you know, he still has st- uh, some growth to do. But I, you know, I like what I see from the. Uh, rookie so far. Talking all things uh, Raiders Hall of Fame game with Ted and Wynn right now from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Ted, to keep it on the offensive line, you've got guys like Bam Olasini, Thayer Mumford. Did anyone that did anyone show you that if Brandon Parker is going to be out that maybe they have the potential to be that swing tackle for the Raiders? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I did not break down the tape um, when those guys came in. I was just more focused on the uh, you know the the guys that potentially might start, um, and you know it's just hard to get a really gauge on these guys because you know the the Jaguars sat a bunch of starters, and then in the second half you know you have guys that you know probably aren't going to make the team, so it's hard to get a r- real evaluation uh, on those guys. But you know I will watch them a little more closely. Um, next week, so you know, I, I hopefully, I have a better answer for you that during that time. You know, Ted, you mentioned some of the screen passes, and and what I noticed is one, the Raiders were really good at executing the screen passes, and that doesn't surprise me. They were doing that a lot at practice, and so it, it made all the sense of the world that they looked good doing that, but. The other area where I thought that they looked pretty good along the offensive line is when they got Alex Leatherwood rolling downhill, when they have him moving and just kind of, like I said, running downhill and uh, looking to block anything that gets in front of him. I felt like Alex Leatherwood was really at his best when he was able to do that. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, um, as far as the screen game, um, it's just something the screen game has, you know, I think Rudin utilized it a bit, but it's just something – uh, is a component of the offense that the Raiders just has, haven't used that much since 2016. And, you know, I'm not surprised that they practice a lot because to be good at screens, you really have to commit to it in practice, spend a lot of time because, you know, they're so, so timing-based and uh, there's just little minor details that have to be perfected. So, uh, you know, I would expect to see the screen game be a much bigger part of the Raiders' offense this year, and that could help, you know, neutralize the pa- opposing pass rushers if, 
pastors just have to think twice about um, going upfield. And, and and when you talk about Leatherwood in the run game, yeah, you know, I, I like it when he goes downhill. Um, but the Raiders also, you know, they really got their run game got going last year towards the end of the season when they really committed themselves uh, to the outside zone game. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think Leatherwood's a guy that you have to just be gap scheme, down block uh, type of off the lineman. I think he can be uh, uh, good in a, a zone scheme as well. Talking right now with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Now on the defensive side of things, of course, you know, we know what you know, the Raiders are going to get out of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. We already, uh, you know, we already established that. But when you start looking at other guys along that defensive line, Malcolm Kuntz is the guy that kind of stood out to me. He had a batted ball. He looked like he was pretty disruptive in that game. Uh, what did you see from Kuntz? And, and what do you think, how do you think the plan is to utilize him this upcoming season? You know, I, I, we saw his athleticism last year. He has a great jump off the ball. He, he's really, you know, he has uh, he has kind of a, a potential to have a diverse skill uh, a set of moves. And we saw some of that in this game. He has a few really nice rushes, like you mentioned. Uh, but I think the thing with him is he just has to prove to this coaching staff that he's not going to be uh, a huge liability in the run game. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think he could be a good password specialist, but if you want to be that third guy in the rotation – you're gonna have to play the rundowns, and I, I think he just has to prove that um, he, he, you know, he, I don't think he has the size to really be great against the run, but he just has to be a guy that they can't just run at over and over again. Right, feels like one of those guys that at least at this stage in the game may come in and just pin his ear back and try to get to the quarterback. <laughs> like that's his <laughs> that's his job right now, and I don't know if that's gonna last with this regime because they want you to be able to do multiple things. Again, we're talking with Ted Nguyen here on uh, Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920, and Ted is from The Athletic. And so uh, also on the defensive side of things, how about Nate Hobbs? He's a guy that has been getting a lot of talk about a lot lately. Uh, I've been talking about him a lot. Saw him on the outside. Of course, he played in the slot last season. I think that he has an opportunity to be that outside corner and really be a good outside corner. What have you been seeing from Nate, and how, 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 how much of a step up do you think he could take this year? Whenever he he had to be forced to play outside last year, I thought he held up pretty well. Um, so, you know, this is going to be a different scheme. It seems like they are going to press a lot more. Uh, they're going to play a little bit more cover two, so that's going to be a different technique than just playing a deep zone and cover in Bradley's cover three system. Um, so I think Hobbs is a guy that is, you know, he, he has a diverse skill set. He can do multiple things, which is why he's so good at nickel last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I would be curious to see if he could, you know, I really think he, he's in line to be an elite nickel corner, um, but I would be curious to see how he holds up on the outside because obviously, you know, playing outside is, is a much tougher job and it's hard to find depth in those areas. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how, see how he plays, but I'm also encouraged with, you know, the reports of, about Amik Robertson really taking a step up this year, too. Um, so, you know, I, I thought outside corner, to, or depth at outside corner was a definitely a concern this year. But if, any, if a few of these young guys could step up and prove to be, you know, better than solid starters or uh, solid starters, then that could be a huge boost for this team. Hey, Ted, I know that they're not throwing the kitchen sink just at preseason yet, but did you see anything from Patrick Graham's defense that surprised you or some things that we need to be looking for as there's going to be staples to the defense? Uh, I didn't think I saw anything surprising, but I guess it was just a little bit um, kind of a shell shock just because we saw so much of the you know, 4-3 cover 3 last year that it was a bit of a uh, got, you know, taken back a little bit to see them play some three uh, true 3-4 three, with cover 2. 
so you know, it's, it's just going to be a little bit different. But I don't, I don't think Patrick Graham's going to be uh, showing anything too exotic in the in preseason. No, as he shouldn't. <laughs> There's no reason to show a whole lot in the preseason. Ted, just got a couple more questions for you. You mentioned Amik Robertson, and that's the guy that we were talking about before you came on, and I've been saying he's just been too inconsistent. He has moments where he flashes, then he has moments where he doesn't. How big do you think this preseason and this uh, you know, this training camp is for Amik, just in solidifying his uh, his roster spot? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty it's huge. I mean, you know, this is, this is going to be – it's not his rookie year anymore – um, I really like this tape coming into, um, you know, as a prospect, but obviously the size was a concern. Uh, but I think playing more press, playing more man coverage does fit his skill set. So if he's starting to get comfortable in the league and, you know, I think the scheme might be a little bit better for his strengths, you know, maybe he's a guy that could, could, could emerge. I mean, his size is always going to be uh, kind of a concern, especially when you're going against bigger receivers. Uh, but when you when you watch him in college, he he was a playmaker. He had a nose for the ball, and he had really good ball skills. So you know maybe that negates some of his, his size if he could just really get comfortable in, in this scheme and uh, just make some plays with his, his ball skills. Final question for you, Ted: How concerned should Raider Nation be about the punt return that return was returned for a touchdown? It was called back because of holding, and it was a very blatant holding. But it was still a punt return for a touchdown, and I think there's a lot of concern about special teams anyway, just because Rich Bisacci is no longer the special teams coach. Uh, how concerned should Raider Nation be about that? Uh, it, it's a Hall of Fame game, so I wouldn't be too concerned. But you know, if, if you see these issues keep popping up. Uh, throughout the preseason, I, I think you know you, you start to get a little bit of concern. But yeah, l- losing a guy as, you know as good as his job uh, at his job as he as Rich Passaccia was is, is going to be uh, there's going to be a drop off. But uh, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about you know what what happened in the Hall of Fame game. All right, AJ Cole didn't look too good trying to make a tackle, but he shouldn't have to do that, right? <laughs> shouldn't have to make no, no, exactly. So uh, Ted, what do you got coming out on the athletic that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, I got I don't have any Raider stuff coming out just yet, but I will probably write a recap uh, after this Sunday. Okay. Nice. There you go. Well, the Sunday, uh, the Minnesota Vikings are coming to town for preseason game number two for the Raiders and preseason game number one for Minnesota. Ted, thanks so much for your time, my man. We do appreciate you. No problem. Thanks for having me on. All right. There he goes. Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at FB underscore Film Analysis and here with us on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So not too concerned about that special teams return for a touchdown. I'll tell you, I was a little concerned. I was a little concerned, even though it was called back because of penalty. I just know that the Raiders special teams unit was pretty stinking good under Rich Versace, and I want to make sure that it remains at a very high level. Do I have faith in A.J. Cole? Absolutely. Do I have faith in Daniel Carlson? Absolutely. Trent Sieg? Yep, sure do. But you just never know. When you start changing techniques, you start changing uh, ways that coverages are, are, are done, things can get out of, out of whack a little bit. So uh, something I think to continue to monitor, and I know something that Raider Nation has called in and talked about multiple times here on the show. So hit us up, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Want to hear from you. Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword r Who do you think needs this week's preseason game the most? to hold on to their roster spot as the first cutdown day is on the 16th. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to talk to Danny Black, Baltimore Sports Collectibles. He's got the very last John Madden flight ticket. He's got some other Madden items as well that he has up for auction and 
just little stories behind how he even collected all these things. So uh, interesting little story that we'll talk about with Danny coming up at 3 o'clock. Right now I've been asking the question on who do you think needs this week's preseason game the most to hold on to their roster spot. The first set of cutdowns comes up on the 16th. That's next week. They got to go from 90 to 85. So only, only five guys. Then the following week, the 23rd, down to 80. So only five more guys. Not too bad. And then, boom, the next week from 80 to 53. And I remember the day where it was just from 90 to 53. Like, it was, boom, just one big massive cut. And all of a sudden, all these guys are out there. And look, still, going from 80 to 53 is enough. But 90 to 53, you add 10 more guys on each team. That's 32 times 10. You do the math, right? (laughs) I'm not the math genius, but you do the math, and you can tell that's a ton of players. And then you've got the guys who are getting cut, and then you're just hoping that maybe you can get picked up on the practice squad for another team. It's one of those, like, if you're one of those players that your next opportunity is just around the corner if you put some good work on film, it's got to be a scary time for those players, but also just, like, an exciting time because, hey, man, if you know you had a good preseason, it's just like, hey, man, you know how it goes. You've seen that episode of Hard Knocks. We love what you did here. But, you know, we just we need to have other needs at that position. Speaking of Hard Knocks, did you watch last night's Hard Knocks? I didn't see all of it. I saw the clips online. Dan Campbell, superstar. I uh, I did not watch it. I've said it before. I'm not a Hard Knocks guy. I don't like Hard Knocks. Uh, I only watched it the one year the Raiders were on it because they were on it and I had to watch it just because for being responsible and knowing what's going on when it comes to the silver and black, I had to watch. I'm not a Hard Knocks guy. I saw all the tweets about Dan Campbell and, oh, he's a badass and, oh, man, I want to play for him. Okay, go win some games, dude. You know what I mean? Like, we saw John Gruden in what? Episode number two, I think it was episode number two of Hard Knocks when the Raiders were on it, and he was, I need better blanket execution. I need, you know, and he was puffing his chest out and he was fired up, and I was like, yeah, 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 that's the Chucky I'm talking about. Yeah, let's go. You know, like I fell for that stuff, hook, line, and sinker. Man, never saw that dude again. Never saw that Chucky again. Saw him week two of the Hard Knocks show. Never saw that guy again. I was so excited. I think I did a podcast. I can go back and look. I think I did a podcast with saying the Raiders, uh, Chucky has finally arrived or something like that because he had gone a whole season. I was like, wait, where's Chucky? Where's the angry guy? Where's the guy that holds guys accountable? I was so mad. And then finally when I saw that week two, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Let's go. That's the guy. Never showed up again. Are you telling me you don't believe Dan Campbell when he's like, I don't care if you got one cheek and one three toes? One ass cheek and three toes, I'm going to beat your ass? Is that what he said? Yes. No. I was going to leave it. <laughs> He also has said that he's going to eat kneecaps or bite kneecaps off or whatever. That's cool, man. That's cute. That's I get it. You're not ready to run through a wall? No. No. I, I get it, man. That's cool. I mean, there, I, I saw one clip on Twitter where he's just like, I'm telling you guys, you just have to trust me. I'm, 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 I'm leading you in the right direction. I'm just, You just have to trust me. It's like, okay. Coach, it's 2022. That stuff don't work no more. That stuff just don't work. That, that, oh, you, you got to trust me and almost in tears. That just don't work no more. Players and they look. can go 4-13 and 13 and like, oh, man. Yeah, I trusted you, coach, and we went 4-13. and 13. Look, I just trust him that my check clears on Thursday. That's what they're saying. And, che- and, 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 and hoping that your check clears, too. If not, well, that's on you. Middle of November already, 1-2-3 Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> 1-2-3, going to be the uh, top draft pick? You know, who's going for that number one spot? Unbelievable. East Bay Raider Gray hit us up on the seven has text line at 69187 keyword R&R. Q, I'm a little worried about the pass rush depth. If Chandler Jones goes down, what's the depth behind him like in Max? I could be wrong, but outside of Koontz, who do we have to come in and get after the quarterback? You know, that's a great question. It really is because I do think that you could look at the depth along the, uh, the defensive line and even on the interior and say, yeah, it's a little thin, especially right now with Jonathan Hankins and Bilal Nichols being out. 
I could definitely see you saying that that's a little bit thin behind those guys. You know, and then Chandler Jones being out for a handful of uh, practices like he was before he returned just yesterday. Yeah, I could definitely see there being concern for that depth because it's not a whole lot. I know Gary Green's back there. I mean, there's other guys, but as, you know, many people will tell you, they're just Jags, just another guy, right? I mean, you got, you got, uh, you know, Andrew Billings. I like Andrew Billings a lot. I think he could provide some depth, but he's just depth. You know, that, that's what he is. I mean, there's nobody that is that dude that you expect to be a big time. Oh, this guy's going to go get it, right? He's going to be that stud. Uh, and all he's waiting for is his, his number called. And like Ted Nguyen just talked about when we talked to him in the last segment, the problem with Koontz is that he's not very good against the run. So right now he's one-dimensional. Is he good enough at that one dimension to earn that roster spot when they need him the most to be activated on game day? See, that's the thing. If you remember Malcolm Koontz in his rookie year, there was plenty of times where he wasn't activated. Why wasn't he activated? Well, he's a one-trick pony right now. He can get after the quarterback, and he's got a lot of different tools to get after the quarterback. So right now I envision him as a guy that comes in on third down, it's third and long, he pins his ears back, and he tries to get after the quarterback. I think he has natural skill. I think he could be a good player. But if he can't help provide something against the run, it's going to be hard for him to get onto the field. So I think that question about the depth behind Max Crosby and Chandler Jones is, is a good question. Real quick, because I'm looking at the roster now at defensive end, Zach Van Valkenburg, mm-hmm. that's the type. Ty- oh, Myron. Right. Ty- yeah, that part. <laughs> that part. I thought it was Tonga Valo. I was, just, I was no. like, is he related to Tua? But no, that is not it. Yeah, that caught me up there. Right. I'm also, I'm going to say that last part there because he's hyphenated. There you go. Yeah, it's not, I mean, you know, you could even look at the depth chart and just kind of, and again, the depth chart is unofficial right now. It's nothing nothing set in concrete, but it's not a whole lot, you know. As I mentioned, you know, Gary Green, Clee Farrell. I mentioned yesterday's show. I know, DeMond, you weren't with us, but who's talking about Clee Farrell these days? Nobody. He, he limped off the field, practice field, a few weeks ago. Haven't seen him since. And the only reason his name even popped up yesterday, I'm not trying to throw you know dirt on his name, but the only reason it popped up is because Heidi Fang was standing next to me during the, the photograph uh, period, and she said, I don't see Klee out here. And I go, man, I hadn't even thought about Klee. I mean, I just, and that's just reality. The reality is if you're not there, you're not there. People will forget about you quick, fast, in a hurry. You know, you just, there's not a lot of depth there. He's, he's absolutely right. And look, that's the, to Sean Bauer, he's a guy that people are pretty high on. He's been he's been a, a guy making a little bit of noise. But that's the reality when we talk about hitting on draft picks and hitting on more than you miss, and especially guys like in the first round. You telling me that if they hadn't hit on somebody, if if Cleef Farrell had been a hit and they picked up his fifth year option, that that wouldn't be some quality depth right there. And he'd probably be a starter. You know what I mean? Like think about that. But when you start missing out on your first round picks multiple times, then all of a sudden, yeah, you have talent. That old regime, I always give them credit for finding the guys they found, you know, finding the Max Crosby's, finding the Hunter Renfro's, finding the Nate Hobbs, finding those late-round picks that we think are going to pan out, Divine Diablo. Tyree Gillespie is still, you know, kind of work in progress. We'll see what, what he has. You think that those guys are going to pan out. But the problem is that they missed on too many early-round picks, and so the, the, the cupboard is, I don't want to say it's bare, but it's not as full as it should be. 258 is the time. When we come back, we'll be talking to Danny Black from Baltimore Sports Collectibles. Talk about that final Madden flight ticket and a lot more. He's got the collectibles. We'll talk about them here on Raider Nation Radio 920.